Hi everybody, Dan Austin here. We're at Connect IT and uh, we're doing our podcast, a bonus session. Um, and uh, I'm Dan Austin, I'm the Executive Vice President of Connect Booster. And with me today, a very special guest, Gary Pika. Um, and Gary is a, if you don't know Gary, uh, you'll get to know him today, but uh, an industry icon, been in the channel for quite some time, has a tremendous story, and uh, I'm so thankful for you to be here today with us. Thank you uh, for attending. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have some fun. Yeah, really cool. Um, and, you know, so Gary is the CEO and founder of uh, True Methods, uh, and also, but was an MSP early on in your career. Yeah. Maybe I've, you could just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, um, I was... I'll say early to market as an MSP. And yeah. I, when I bought the company, it was an IT support company. And um, we were one of Kaseya's first customers, one of ConnectWise's first customers, and um, made a lot of mistakes. And then I, I figured out a couple really key things, mainly from the pain I was having to trying to run the business. And um, once we figured them out, we went from zero to over 7,000 end users under management. At that time, we were Kaseya's largest customer, ran very profitably, uh, sold that to uh, MindShift Technologies and eventually Best Buy. Then I started True Methods, but while I've had True Methods, I invested in mm. another MSP, mm. scaled that, and it got acquired by Thrive. So um, today, True Methods, we've trained over 6,000, 7,000 MSPs with our uh, online training videos. Yeah, uh, we have 200 MSPs in our peer groups, mm. and uh, we've worked with you know thousands of uh, customers with our software, MIT processes for the VCIO process. So it's been fun. Yeah, that's a good that's a good run. What's interesting to me is I've listened to a couple of your talk tracks here at Connect IT 2021. Your knowledge base is just vast. It's not just like technical about being an MSP or about how to deliver software solutions. You have a lot of business acumen that you're teaching people. Maybe just tell me a little bit about how you approach that or what your view is on that. I mean, it's really interesting. Yeah, so here's what I learned, right? In getting stuck in my first MSP, what I realized a lot of it was I didn't know how to run a business. I wasn't a business person. So I found some mentors. I, I read everything that I could. Uh, got a business planning coach. Mm. And as I started to get um, more command over the business and over leadership and over the process of how you run the business, everything changed. Yeah. When I started True Methods and I had a lot of that knowledge already, the fact that I didn't know that business, it was a different business right, that I was going into, it really didn't seem to matter. And I thought when I started True Methods that I knew things about how to sell and, and operate an MSP. And I was going to tell everybody, yeah. and then they were just going to do it, and everyone was going to have a great MSP just like me. That's not what happened. Right. I realized there was two things. The first one was they really needed, most of the MSPs needed more business acumen. They didn't really understand their cost drivers. They didn't know how to have a process to know what was the most important thing to do, and then how do you have accountability to do it. Mm. And then the biggest thing I learned was we started these peer groups and everyone's done great, right? But not at the same rate. Yeah. And what I realized is we were, we were really in the business of understanding entrepreneurs and their teams' self-limiting beliefs. Yeah. And it's amazing when you see someone every quarter, you get to know their stuff. And we all have stuff, yeah. right, that holds us back, like an upper limit. And 
trying to find and watch these groups together, get to know each other, and trying to help people you know, change their expectations. And Dan, I'll tell you, a lot of it, I know has to do with stuff that happened in their life way before they met me. Right. You know, and that's the most interesting thing I've learned about yeah. the business. It's interesting, like, you know, when you think about there's varying degrees of MSPs. Now, in True Methods, when you put them together in a peer group, are you trying to put them close with like-minded or sort of like at the same level? Or are you going pretty vast or different? Like, what's your approach there? So, they don't have to be exactly the same. In fact, it's, they sh you know, a company that has 100,000 of recurring revenue and 250, you know, they have some different problems, but they also share some things. Mm -hmm. um, but we try to keep them, like we won't have someone that has five employees and with someone that has 50 employees. Mm. Because it's just, there's too much of a gap. Yeah. So within reason, we, with their size and complexity, their maturity as a business person, and their maturity in what I would call the True Methods framework. Yeah. You know, our approach to how to run a high-performing uh, MSP. Yeah. And that's really, so there's some science to it, and then over a decade we've been doing it, there's a little bit of art involved with it. Cool. So. Another thing that's interesting to me about you, Gary, P uh, like Peakonomics to me, tell me about how that came about and what's the premise behind it and, and yeah. give me, like uncover that a little bit for me. Yeah, I, I'm not the best marketer, but once in a while, and I struck a genius. Yeah, 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 I come up with something that, yeah. uh, that sticks and gets known around the, around the industry and Peakonomics is one of them. I'll tell you how I got there and then I'll tell you really what it is yeah. and why this, kind of simple idea has changed so many businesses and so many lives, including mine, right, yeah. first and foremost. So when I was in my first business and we started to get recurring revenue, I, you know, it was hard for me to figure out how to price things. And then I started trying to figure out, okay, what are my costs? How do I do it? And then I started selling customers and I thought the margins would drop out the other end and they didn't, right? So I said, okay, what is it? And I started to come up with this idea, like how do we track our costs now that we're doing all this stuff? Like for, for, our, for our, our tool stack and our labor, how do I figure out a unit of measure that I can then turn into a price? Mm -hmm. And we came up with the idea of a seat price. Mm -hmm. So we started knowing what our costs were and we started pricing better. Yeah. And we sold some more and the margin still didn't come out. Yeah. Then what I realized is not all the costs were per seat. Some of them, it costs just to have a customer. So I learned that your average MRR was yeah. important. So I started uncovering these things and eventually it turned into a framework mm. where we break the business up into five delivery areas. Mm. Professional services, mm -hmm. which most people still sell as non-recurring revenue. Yeah. And then under your monthly fee, you have centralized services. That's the labor and your kit, your, your tools. Uh, you have support. You have VCIO, the consulting piece. And another one that we brought to the market we call technology alignment. Today they might call it compliance, yeah. proactive roles. And Peakonomics is to take those roles and create a relationship between each role and how much revenue they touch, either non-recurring or recurring revenue. So interesting. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm sitting there in the audience listening to this and thinking to myself, you know, there's so many MSPs that I talk to that just don't have a clue about yeah. like, how to run a business from that perspective with that granularity. It's it's. It's invaluable stuff for them. I'm really, it, it's great that you have it. Um, you know, the other thing that would be good to talk about was very enlightening in your M&A talk track, just about how you view selling a business. Like most people think, oh, you know, I'm gonna work really hard, 
I'm gonna grow a business and I'm gonna like get this big payday, right? Yeah. But it was super enlightening. The way you broke down, well, yeah, if you sell today and you're 45, what happens when you're 65? Like, can you just elaborate on that? Tell that story. I thought, yeah. I just think that is so important for people to hear. If you're out there and you're looking, you know, with an MSP to sell your business, this is a next three minutes that's going to be invaluable for you to listen to. Yeah, first off, that doesn't always have to be the goal, right? There's a lot of ways to monetize a business. Yeah. And I find that the people that run the best businesses, like I got a friend I just, for, I, we were in a peer group together when I had my MSP. You know, he's got a $20 million MSP that's really valuable, but it also is a great company to keep, so he hasn't sold it. Like, he had a lot of choices, but here's what happens. MSPs, a lot of MSPs get to the point where they start to make money, but they made most of their money in those last few years before they sell. Yeah. So most of all of their net worth is tied up in that business. Mm. They sell the business, they pay taxes, and they get these after-tax dollars. Let's say you do that and you get you know, $3 million, $4 million after taxes. And you're 45 or 50 years old. Like, you know, we could live to be 85 or 90. So you do the math on that, that's not enough money, like just never make money again. So now you're faced with the fact that you have to figure out how to do something else. And your choices are less. Because when you have money in the bank, you, you don't really want to do things you don't want to do. Right? Yeah. And it, it almost, I've seen it create more stress for people. I see them a few years after the deal and it's more stressful than it was when they were running the company. Like the grass isn't always greener. And so you Frank, really- unpack that. Tell me why you yeah. think that is. Uh, like what are the, some tangible things about that? So it's two things. Uh, one of them is just financial yeah. like for the reasons we talked about. Yeah. And they struggle with that because they thought they'd have more choices and maybe sometimes they have less even though they have money in the bank. And the second thing is <laughs> your business gives you something. It's part of who you are mm. as an entrepreneur. Yeah. It gives you juice. And when that juice is taken away, it's not replaced no matter how big that wire transfer is. Right. So I'm fortunate enough to have exited three businesses. And at my age, you know, I have financial independence, it, but I'm not stopped working. Right. Like I, I feel like my best time is ahead of me. Um, so I'll tell you a story. Um, when I sold my first company work for Mindshift, I stayed on for a few years. I had an earn out. I ran my company and I also ran, they asked me to run sales operations for their Boston uh, area. And I did, and I had a good relationship with the CEO. They treated me really well. You know, I made what most people think back then was a lot of money. And it was easy, man. I was home for dinner every night. Mm. Like, you would think that's awesome. But as time went on, my wife said to me, you know, you gotta leave Mindshift. I'm like, why? I, you know, I won two fantasy football championships. I, I play guitar now, <laughs> right. like, you know. And she's like, you're not the same, mm. you know? And so... Do you think that's because, like, the, the inner burning thing when you're an entrepreneur and you are responsible for all the people and the process, and that kind of gets stripped away from you when you sell because you're not the guy any longer, right? It's not like, dire anymore. Right, right. You're right on it. Yeah. It's not dire, and you don't realize what that means. And I remember I, I left and I started uh, True Methods and probably, you know, things started getting going those first couple months. And I literally remember waking up one morning and feeling like, holy mackerel, 
I'm back. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. back. Yeah. And it was, and sometimes it was stressful and sometimes I had to work more than I wanted to, but I loved it. Right. Yeah. So now I had to make that decision again, but the same thing, I want to stay engaged. I want to find like, as long as I'm healthy and have value, yeah. I, I want to try to make a difference. Now I feel differently now. It's more, I think in my next phase, it's more about the people around me yeah. and helping them get where they want to get to. Yeah. I love young entrepreneurs and startups. And so I, I want to do it in a different way, but that, does that make sense? Yeah. That, that piece yeah. is there. That, that piece has it, to be there. And it's so valuable. And it's to me, the best thing about my career is not the money that I've made, although I like that. Yeah, it's it is good, like, but, right. I've, I've got to do most of it on my own terms and I got yeah. to surround myself with people who I really care about. And I, I love to work with and I, and, and I care about how it turns out for them. And, yeah. and now we have all these customers that I, that I'm friendly with and I've watched them grow up and change their business. It's just, yeah, yeah nothing could be better. That's really good. I, so listening to you uh, earlier today, actually I had an epiphany about the idea of the way you think about things and how you present it. You know, you meet these people and sometimes you're just in the business and you're grinding. Most people don't get a chance to step back and rethink, you know, like your box and blob analogy. That's brilliant. Like yeah. most people don't take a time to step back and look at how to like, how do I take my MSP from $900,000 a year or a million five a year and get to that three million number. And then there seems to be this magical $5 million number. If you're a $5 million MSP, like, and then it's 13 million, right? Like yeah. there's these steps. So my question to you is what, number one, like what would you advise an MSP that it strives to be in your shoes, but is stuck at like one, two, one, three? How do you manage thinking about different ways to innovate and speak yeah. to clients? What are some things, some tangible things that they can do to get to three million? Get okay. to five million? Yep, that's a great question. Um, what you described is impact zones. Mm. So we find that you know 100 to 150,000 a month, then again around 250, the 10 million dollar revenue is a big one. Yeah. I have friends that got there. So many things changed in the business, and they stayed there for years before they finally you know cracked yeah. that code. So I, I would tell you a few things. The most important one is, if you're stuck, it means you probably don't have command over the business, mm. because if you did you would know why you're stuck because mm. it's not always obvious and most people are looking at the um the results not the root cause of why they're there mm. like i can ask a few questions and no because i've been doing this for years so you got to get command over the business and and that means you, you got to get either get coaching get into a peer group you got to find others that have command yeah and so you can see the business more simply a complex business more simply and once you can see what your issues are, it's customers, it's pricing, it's roles, it's something. Then you can put together a plan and say, okay, what does that $5 million MSP look like? What's different about, like how much more recurring revenue that I need? What's reasonable what I'm gonna sell and churn? And let's put a plan together to get me there, right? Then put a process in place so that you know that every quarter while you're running your busy business, you're executing the one or two things that are moving you towards your goal. Yeah. And until you get into that mindset, yeah. it's really, really hard to do. Yeah. Uh, I would, listen, I was in a peer group and I don't know, it's why we started them. I don't know that I would, 
would have gotten where I did sitting in my office all alone. I, I told a joke in the session, you know, there's so much changing in our industry you have to figure out. You can't figure it out, you know, sitting alone in your office. So you got to get out to the community. I, again, I'm a big proponent of peer groups, industry peer groups, and you're not going to learn it sitting inside a service ticket, man. Yeah. It's, it's not happening. Yeah. You know, you mentioned also something earlier today that uh, was so appropriate. When I run sales teams, you know, or I talk to salespeople, the first thing I tell them to do, don't sell anybody anything. Go interview them. Go sit down yep. to lunch with them. It seems like you've done a really good job at that, of like knowing your TAM or your audience, yep. right? And really knowing that well. So maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, uh, so you know, we do a lot of sales training videos. Yeah. Probably have 30 hours of it. Yeah. And I have one, it's called Let Them Sell You. Hmm. It's like I'm coming in, and as soon as they figure out that every time I uncover pain, I'm trying to use it to sell you something that, you, that you, right now you don't want. You create this relationship of a salesperson uh, and a prospect, and you get treated like a salesperson. But if I come in and they figure out that I'm just trying to help them in their business, yeah. you know, if I'm trying to sell Mighty Process software, I'm not talking about our software. I want to figure out, tell me about your business. What do you struggle with? Yeah. How do you do this now? What would happen if it looked like this? And like, you know, and in the end, we'll figure out together whether, you should, whether or not you should buy our software. And enough percentage of them do. Yeah. And, and the business is good. Yeah. And you learn so much. I've learned most of what I know about being a business person from customers and prospects. You know, helping them take apart their business, trying to see it more simply, seeing what they did right, seeing the ones that didn't do such a good job. And to me, people in sales it's almost like, oh, I don't want to be in sales because that's stressful and I, and I don't want to do cold calling. I don't want to do that. Your job is to sit with business leaders and learn about their business. Yeah. What could be a better job than that? Right. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like that community element. You get to know your community and your audience. They, you speak to them differently, right? Because you know that you know what they're going through. You know their pain points. Uh, uh, or I, their can, can I share one more thing? Yeah. Come on. So I call this um, our egg analogy. Yeah. Right. And we always say there's no egg because what happens with salespeople and owners at MSPs, every time they walk into a prospect, it's like they're holding an egg. Yeah. And they don't want to drop the egg. They don't want to crack it or bruise it. It represents the sale. Yeah. It represents the growth of their business. Many times it represents their self-image. Yeah. Like, that's an important egg, right? But the very process of holding on to that egg stops you from being successful in sales. Yeah. It's like... You, you don't have anything. You don't have a sale. Mm -hmm. Like, so why are you approaching it like you're, you're trying not to lose something and afraid to ask hard questions? Be the opposite. Be the unsales. Go in there and interview them to figure out why they wouldn't do business with you. And 20 or 25% of the time, you'll fail and they'll become customers for the next 10 years. Right. Yeah, it's beautiful. So... MSPs, when I talk to them, they're try there's this like thing they're trying to figure out. Do I become a specialist, right, in a particular area? Like, do I get really good at cybersecurity, or do I get really good at you know cloud computing, or do I get really good at this particular aspect? Or do you think more of a generalist is the better approach, like in today's economy, like in, in our market we exist in today? Um, so taking verticals out of it for a second, because right. that's a different conversation, yeah. right? But in terms of if you're going to deal with SMBs. You know, you pretty much have to do all of that stuff. Yeah. You are their outsourced IT, and they need you to make 
help them make decisions and understand, you know, when to go to the cloud and when not to. And you can't have a horse in that game. Yeah. There's a certain level of security now. It just is built into what we're doing, right? And that's going to change. Like our role in security has to change in the next three to five years. You can't have a situation where MSPs and their customers are so overmatched. Yeah. And so technology, large vendors are going to play a different role. We're always going to have a role, but I say don't put all your all of your chips there because you know that will change. Just the same way, like we were early selling remote backup. It was twenty-two dollars a gig. Yeah. I know people that got out of their MSPs to have backup businesses. It was great when it was twenty-two dollars a gig. A few years later, when it was a dollar a gig, not so much. Yeah. Because that was a problem that had to get solved by technology. You couldn't pay twenty-two dollars a gig at a time when data was exploding. Like, right. Like there had to be a solution for it. Yeah. So, by the time this airs, we'll have already made our announcement about uh, our new product that we're launching. And uh, so I wanted to ask you about the payments industry. Yeah. And our belief, and I, we, we strongly believe this, MSPs are the conduit to SMBs. Like SMBs essentially trust three entities. Their attorney, their accountant, and their MSP. And I would argue that the MSP is probably the strongest of trust because they should rely be. on it so much. It should be. So security relative to payment processing is a very unmanaged threat today. So we're launching something that will help mitigate that and it'll be you know, more, more to come about that. But tell me what your opinion is on addressing security as it relates to the payment industry and where you think that's going. Well, you, 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 so here's what I'll tell you my own personal experience. Like uh, everything we do is on credit card. At, right. On true yeah. methods, right? Yeah. Um, you know, what we pay to, you know, the payment processors, uh, you know, is more than our best employee, right? right? Our most expensive yeah. employee. Yeah. And, but I'm not a payment expert. Like, I, I, I'm just one guy who does it. And I think it's the same thing for MSP's customers. It's another area where, because we deal with multiple customers, yeah. we get a different view of things. Yeah. So, to me, I think that should be something at some point, it's gotta be on that, when you do your um, uh, standards and alignment, that's gotta be one of the things on there because right. it touches their revenue, man. Right. Like anything that touches revenue yeah. or data, yeah. they have to be the top of the, top security, the, top of the security list. Yeah. So, um, you know, my only concern about what you mentioned is, in theory, what you said about MSPs is right. And I believe they're going to be the conduit for a lot of business services. Yeah. Because everything's becoming technology. Right. If you have a strategic relationship. Yeah. The things I talked about in my breakout yeah. today. If you have a process for building strategic relationships. Yeah. And adding value to those relationships. The sky is the limit. Right. For those MSPs. If you don't, you don't have the opportunity. Because now I'm just calling you up and trying to sell you something else you don't want to buy. Yeah. Instead of really saying, look, here's what we're finding with our customers around payments, right? Can we talk through this? Yeah. Can I tell you, because we've seen it, we put a solution in to solve it and it looks like this. Yeah. The thing Does also, that make sense? Yeah, totally. The thing that, that is scary for a lot of small businesses is when there's a data breach around payments, it's instant and that cash comes out of their business and it doesn't come back. Yep. And that's scary. I mean, the average 
reach costs a small business, small to medium-sized business between fifty and sixty thousand dollars, and comes out immediately. Yep. And there's just not a lot of businesses that can survive from that. That's a death sentence right? for a lot of businesses, like small businesses. Yeah. So I'm glad to see that. Like I think the industry will needs to shift that way, especially. I mean, you know, like everything security-wise is getting more and more intense. You know, it's just happening at a different rate than it ever has before, and the bad actors are smart and doing all kinds of things to steal credit information and all stuff. So I believe the MSPs are going to be the frontline defense for that. Yeah, and listen, you go to one of your customers or prospects and you ask them a couple questions related to security, or yeah. in this case, you're talking about payment security, and they can't answer them, you have their attention, man. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. You tell them one or two stories, right? Yeah. That are recent, to relate to it. You know, they're aware of what's happening with security. It's powerful. Yeah. Like these are all great wedges to help customers to build our revenue. Because one of the things MSPs are going to, they're already doing it. You know, we uh, benchmark all of our peer members. We see that average um, ARR per customer rising. Yeah. But that's going to be a big part of growth. Yeah. We got to get a bigger piece. We are such a small piece of their spend. If they spend $4,000 a month with me, they have expenses of four to 600,000. So we are very small. Yeah. That four could be eight, 10, 20. Yeah. If we can expand what we bring to them. And why that's important is, and I've learned a lot of this from owning a software company, yeah. as you, and you deal with yeah. these same metrics, you know, your cost to sale, you know, your cost, you know, your rack, to what it costs you to get a dollar recurring revenue is so low to your existing customers. And it's so high for an MSP to get a new logo. Yeah. And you always need new logos. Yeah. But when you can bring that new logo in, and now you have this engine, other things you can layer on, it really is a game changer. It's gonna, it's gonna completely transform growth and margins yeah. in the coming years. I always say dollar one is the most expensive dollar yep. you're ever gonna get. And you know, to get to dollar five or dollar eight, on an existing client is going to cost you way less yep. than that first dollar. So speaking of that, from a sales perspective, if you were going to give advice to an MSP that you know might have 10 employees, might have 20 employees, and they're looking to scale sales, what are a couple of tidbits that you would offer as advice? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is <laughs> most a lot of um, MSPs that struggle in sales think they have a sales problem, but it's really a symptom of the bigger problem. Mm. They haven't spent time on their packaging and pricing. They haven't aligned their delivery roles mm. with the value they want to drive. So when they go into sales, it's a really hard sales process. They can't build separation, yeah. and they can't definitely do it at a higher price. So I'd say, look at what you deliver. What is your competitive advantage, right? And you know, as you know, what we teach is around proactive roles. Yeah. So that when I uncover, I even have a sales process. I ask you some pain questions. I uncover it. I make you attach a value to it. Then I tie it back to what's different about my roles and process than what they experience now as the reason why. And once I do that, I not only can show them a clear separation, but I can make my higher price the reason why they would do business with me. In other words, I can weaponize my competitor's low price. Now I can teach someone how to do that. Otherwise, all I'm doing 
is I'm saying like, oh, I, I sell a little bit as the owner. Just come and listen to me what I do. Yeah, that doesn't work. Not scalable. They have to have a process where they know what they're doing. Yeah. They know how to ask pain questions, right? They know how to control their sales assets. They know what to do before they give a presentation. They know how to validate that, control the next step. You can give them something that's repeatable. But if you don't have a true competitive advantage, we're not selling copiers. Right. Where you can just put all your money in the sales and marketing because the product is the product. Yeah. We are the product. And that's the main thing, that, pe that Dan, that people miss. Yeah, and I, I see a lot of MSPs sell to their clients like a, like a, a, a technology stack that gets so productized with what they do. They miss the human connection. They miss that, let me get to know your business. Let me define something. Like you said something earlier also that is important in this conversation. Just get, just get in, sell them something, get in, make the relationship, and then they'll end up buying the higher price from you because you've built that trust where now you can actually expose them to what they really need. Yeah, and you, and, but you want to try to make that sale the minimum you want to do for the customer. In right. other words, I want to go in and I want them to do business with me because they see value in my unique process. Yeah. Right. And then once I have that relationship in place yeah. and can afford to have that relationship in place, now I can, like other services come along, I can start to layer on those things. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you, you mentioned something important. People are out there selling their stack. Yeah. Right. I couldn't disagree more. Everybody ha can get the same stack. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that I'm known for is my chocolate cake analogy. Yeah. Right? That you have to not sell ingredients. Right. You have to mix those ingredients, and that's our stack uh, and our rolls. And, and we have to show them our recipe, and that's our go-to-market. That's our rolls and process that's unique to us. Once we do that, they will see the value of connecting that to an end result. Otherwise, you know, I, I, you know we're looking for 70% gross margins on managed services. You're not getting 70% gross margins on a tool. Right. It's just not happening because yeah. everyone else has that same tool. You, you, you have to wrap your superpower around it. Yeah, 70% uh, gross margin, yeah. that's a great target. Yep. That seems to be a, a standard for really healthy MSBs, yep. right? Where do you see the average these days? Oh, so that's a, average is a hard thing in any yeah. industry yeah. because you have the top 25% that are between 60 and 70, some of them up to 75 on managed services, different on non-recurring and, yeah. and product. Um, then you see the middle of the market, the, like what I would say the, the center of it. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, they're usually in the 55 to 60 range. And when you get to the bottom half, you know, the bottom 25% are at or below break even. So I know they're in the, they're in the low 50s or lower. Yeah. yeah I, and, they, and they don't know it. That's the thing. That's, a, that's the thing. I was it's so funny. We're thinking alike. I was just going to go there. You talked yesterday in your in one of your talk tracks about the, in the M and A industry how most most MSPs just don't they, they have a very inflated sense of what their value is. And I thought it was really interesting your approach to defining what real value is. Can you just talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. So you know, people just think like, oh, you know, I, I saw that uh, someone said that MSPs now sell for, you know, 10 times EBITDA, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And, and they go and look and they're like, oh, I'm worth 10 times EBITDA. And they're, you know, a 2 million, you know, MSP, they have 2 million in revenue yeah. and they throw like 250 to the bottom line. I'm like, no, yeah. dude, yeah. you're worth closer to zero. Right. You know, and so understanding, hey, what are the things that create value? 
It is your percentage of, uh, of revenue that is recurring, right? It is your net your net profit or, or EBITDA, your yeah. free cash flow, but it's your net profit as a percentage of your revenue. It's your efficiencies. How many? How much revenue can you generate? You know, based on the number of employees. Like these are the things that determine and your scale. So there's all of these factors, and you should understand them even if you don't want to sell. Yeah. Because don't you want to make your business more valuable? More valuable or more profitable? Because it's more, more valuable to you. Yeah. These are the, this is what I mean. These are the things where you're thinking differently. It's almost like you're like you're thinking more like a business owner versus an IT guy, right? And that's that's a that's a distinction. Well, t- well. It started because I had to run my own businesses, yeah. but I'll tell you more. And you know, you say you, you see my concepts that I come up with, and you know, why, you know, how do you come up with all those? It's because I'm trying to explain things in sales, operations, business planning, M and A, that have become intuitive to me. Yeah. But when I try to teach others, I see what, they don't get it. Yeah. And then I get to backtrack, and I get to break it down, and I get to find different ways, stories, anecdotes. Everything is trying to take things that are complex and make it simple when we teach somebody. Because the simpler we make it, the more chance that they're going to have that aha moment and have success. Yeah, I, and I, I saw that a lot in, in your talk track with just the audience. Many people sitting there having like light bulbs going off because of the way that they're able to now think simply about particular challenges they have in their business, in their day to day, and it becomes a much easier environment for them to grow. So, all right, so we have just a few more minutes. Again, thank you so much for being here. But can, I got can, more. Can, wait, can I tell you one yeah, quick yeah, thing? please, please. If you come to my uh, session on Peakonomics. Yeah, I'll be there. So many people, after I do that one, they come up and they're like, oh my God, you just, like, it's like you're in my business. Yeah. You just explained all the horrible things that I've been dealing with yeah. and never knew why. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what I think this, this community needs a lot of, especially nowadays. All right, so I have a couple questions. Go Two ahead. questions. We'll go rapid fire. Where's the industry headed in the next five years? It, it, uh, it is headed to um, more consolidation, mm-hmm. right? Smaller MSPs are going to have to pick a lane. Uh, it is headed to MSPs, the good ones that have that strategic relationship, are going to play a bigger role delivering business services to their customers. They're going to get that bigger piece of the pie. They're going to become more valuable. This is going to become a business that is going to have more people are going to be professional business people. Less people are going to be just engineers who don't have the, you know, they don't want to become, you know, business people. And so that's where I think it's headed. The security stuff, it all gets sorted out. Like that, that'll, that's what we do. Things come, we have issues, we get to the other side of them. You know, that will look differently. But the core business part of it is really bright right now. Our market is great. We have a unique relationship with these companies, that you mentioned, yeah. that no one else does with these small businesses. We're going to figure out how to unlock that potential in the next five to seven years. Where's the innovation going to go? That's the part I'm most concerned about, right? We haven't seen the innovation yeah. you know, in, the, in the channel yeah. uh, that we would like to see. And, uh, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my reason why. Hopefully, I don't get in trouble with my new boss yeah. uh, when I say this. But I, I, it is what it is. Yeah. You see the, the big companies, you know, Kaseya being the, the biggest and most successful right, yeah. right now in the channel. They're really designed to distribute. They're, they're serving kind of what Ingram Micro used to do yeah. in the hardware world. 
for MSPs. It's a really valuable, right, what Kaseya is doing. But innovation is something different, right? It's a different cycle, so it's really hard for big companies. And then a lot of the startups were MSPs trying to solve a problem. They, did, they didn't make money in their MSP. Right. I build a software company, it is not for the faint of heart. No, yeah. Having right. a good product and solving a problem is like 5% of it, Yeah. right? And so that's a big concern that I have. And that's why I spend some time with startups and you know, it's one thing that I want to try to do whatever I can to the community to find a way to have, you know, have more innovation because uh, we need it. We're using some tools that are the same as when I got them 17 years ago, you know, and that's going to have to change. Okay, last question. So if you could offer one, just literally one piece of advice for the MSP community in current stat, in its current stage today, what would that piece of advice be? Just one. If I can only give one piece of advice, invest your, and make your top priority you, mm. investing in you, your knowledge as a business person. Yeah. Your business will only go as far as you're going to take it in an entrepreneurial business. And they tend to focus on the technology and this and that and solving that problem. It starts with you, man. You have to, you have to be better. If you're the same business person a year from now, yeah. you're going to have the same business. Awesome. And then lastly, how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way to become a True Methods uh, client and, yeah. and participate in the peer groups? Uh, just go to truemethods.com, trumethods.com. Uh, it's easy to get a hold of us there. I have an amazing team. I have a team of people, most of them been with me for more than five years, wow. that work with MSPs every day. Most of them never owned an MSP and they know more about how to run an MSP than most MSPs. And when you talk to them, they're not going to try to sell you first. They're going to try to help you and give you advice so that it's valuable no matter what. Amazing. Well, again, thank you for being here. I, I, obviously, you can tell Gary's got a wealth of knowledge and, uh, and is an industry icon, uh, certainly in the channel. And we really appreciate that. We're happy to call you friend and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Awesome. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks, Gary. Thanks All right. for having me.